everyone, and welcome to the Australian Herpticulture Podcast. I'm Jason. My name is Luke. Hey, come, buddy. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. How are you? Quite. Good, mate. Good. Enjoying this nice cold one. Yeah, I got a couple lined up tonight. I'm on the oh, pale ones again. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Good as I'm on the blue ones. <laughs> I went. I went to Audi. Yeah, how good's that? It's like twenty-six bucks for twelve. Yeah, I know. It's not bad. Yeah. It's cheaper than the bottle, though. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. Do you watch a race today, mate? I didn't get a chance. Yeah. You know, honestly, today I busted my guts cleaning the reptile room at work. It was just like, yep. you know, when you just walk into somewhere and you're just like, this isn't up to my standard. <laughs> you just kind of have to go. You know what? Leather. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting the elbow grease out and getting into it. That was one of my days. And uh, I just I pulled up stumps a bit earlier. There's a pub literally on the corner of the job I was on, so I had a nice cold one with the boys. Watched the race and then came home so did you put a punt on oh yeah just a couple of mystery trifectas mate i'm not i'm not a betting person i don't really know horse racing so no, i know nothing about it all either yeah i didn't win anything so <laughs> oh well win some you lose some right that's it mate that's it what else has been happening anyway dude i've just been cracking into some background builds i've just sent you through some photos of those um the exoterra background and yeah. the reptile one background that i've just been painting up this evening so yeah, they come looking... up all right all all coated up don't they yeah yeah I'm, I'm actually pretty impressed with them like they're only kind of like a on the back of the actual enclosure background but yeah i've just used the standard backgrounds and covered them with the tile pointing and doing my own paint job on them and yeah, yeah. nice stoked with how they're coming out definitely a lot tougher they're going to be easier to clean and stuff like that when i do put some some geckos and monitors and stuff like that in there with them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. claws won't damage the foam or anything like that. No chance. No. No chance. Not when you're talking little animals like that either. No, exactly. I will actually just quickly throw this out there. There's like just before we keep going, but um, just wanted to say sorry to everyone about last week's episode. It was yeah, kind of, that's right. Kind of just got aired to YouTube. There seemed to be some sort of gremlin in the works there. So uh, the podfather himself, Eric, couldn't find a way or hasn't found a way yet to actually put it out onto the podcast platforms but if you guys do want to listen to what we were talking about last week and if you thought we were mia you can actually just hop over onto the npr network youtube channel and actually see jason and my ugly mugs yeah chatting away and yeah talking to people because it was supposed to it was supposed to eventually get loaded up after the live live stream but yeah i don't know the audio just wasn't there so oh it's a bit of a weird thing doing the live stream just because when we were like going and logging into the, the um, what is it, StreamYard or something that they use, like it sends a code to Eric for for like just confirmation that it's actually him. Yeah. Of course, with the time differences and things, there's certain times that don't line up so well between here and where are they? Pennsylvania? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah. Anyway. We'll I always think of Transylvania every time I hear Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> Different countries, but yeah. <laughs> I always think of it, eh? But, yeah, I, I do too, but I have to kind of like just pull up short and catch myself on it. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Every time I like I hear about when they talk about where they live, I always have a laugh in my head because I think of that every time. So, <laughs> But yeah, if you want to see our ugly mugs, just jump on the NPR YouTube channel and give it a listen there, so... It's a little bit more. We'll probably do a few more of those time. live streams. Yeah, they they were really good. I good. enjoyed that. Had a lot of people jumping on. Yeah, but hopefully, you know, next time it actually goes out to the podcast world instead of everyone thinking we're MIA. Well, at least all the uh, 
support the listeners at home. They won't have to see you in your pajamas tonight, mate. <laughs> yeah, I know. You saw that before <laughs> when I went to get a book. <laughs> there were some pretty nice looking boxer shorts. Nice boxes, got the old palm trees on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I stood up, I'm like, oh, Luke's going to see my boxes. Oh, well, it is what it is. Yeah. I, I don't usually up. sit here in my boxes, so <laughs> you're probably in yours too. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I made sure I didn't have one last week. so Yeah, I'm not going to get up just in case Jason pulls the camera out to take a screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> you probably did that on me. Or you watch you post it on the bloody page later on. Uh, me standing there in my boxes <laughs> reaching for a book. <laughs> oh, that is a classic. I should have done it. Oh, oh well, next time. Melt the, melt the Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> Never know. We might get some more likes. No, I doubt it, mate. I doubt it. <laughs> no, there's um, what else has been new? Let's say I've got I hatched out Yberber. So yeah. last week I'd gotten the eggs, and as as we kind of you know you said it yourself as well. Like we were looking at those eggs, and there was a couple in the bunch that actually looked pretty juicy. Yeah, and, uh, I think it was like two days later they hatched out. So yeah, a little... I think I said the next few days I'll hatch or something like that, judging by the looks of them, because they were they were thick too. Yeah, and like as soon as I got them out of the ground, I candled them, and you couldn't see anything through them. I was yeah. like, "Yeah, these things are ready to pop." So yeah, yeah, little hatchies are out there on the desk at the moment, That's having good. a little crawl around tonight. So um, you hold, you're gonna hold most of them back, aren't you? So we, yeah, I, I mean, I got five yeah. eggs there. These particular two, these are, I will hold them for the, the time being. But chances are, Mitch might actually end up getting these because I'm doing yep. a bit of a trade with him for some wheeler yeah. rice. So. Um, yeah, pretty stoked on that. But I definitely, I, I think if these other ones hatch, I'll probably keep them, to be honest, just yeah. to boost the numbers a little bit. So, yeah, just one of those species. There's not a lot of leafies getting around. And no, as, as we know, these of, these girls are getting pretty old. So They've gone a bit slim on the ground. Just like everything, I just hoard it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not as bad <clears> as the killings. Yeah, we haven't seen a lot of, um, a, a lot of the geckos around, really. No. Nah. No. Nah. Pretty much everything's been a little bit quiet over the last last year or two. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why that is. And, you know, even some of the big names in geckos, like just take Rick, for example, like he's not big into his leafies. He's only got um, no. platyrus, So um, I think it's more to do with the temperature and his setup and yeah. all that kind of thing. We've had a few conversations yeah. over the years. Where he's got his animals would get pretty yeah. pretty warm. Yeah, that's there. pretty much the main reason, I believe. So, does he have his platyrus in there? I'm not too sure. Might have might not. They might be in the house. I don't know. Who knows? I haven't really been there, but yeah, he just said it just gets a bit too warm. Oh yeah, you wouldn't need to. You wouldn't need to warm his facility. No. Not during summer. Yeah. Yeah. Need to go and have a, have another beer with him actually. Um. But yeah, no, it's um. I don't know. It's weird, and uh, and if any do come up, they just go super quick. So yeah, but even like course. the classifieds and that, they've kind of slowed down a little bit. I don't know, but yeah, just everything really. Like you don't see any nobbies around much anymore. Yeah, they've become very popular again. So yeah, yeah, it's another another flavor of the month. You know, I couldn't give them away when I was breeding heaps of them, but um, you know, now they just can't can't keep up with the demand. Yeah, it's like that with the, it seems to be like Anything. that with the geckos. They come in waves. Mm. But even yeah, that's the same with everything really, you know, like it was bloody morph carpets at one point. They were all the rage and then they're, they're probably still kicking a little bit morph carpets. Like you see quite a fair bit of that, but not as much as they used to be. Yeah. And then it was all blue tongues, morph blue tongues and all that stuff. But 
yeah, I don't know what the next hot thing is in the in the reptile world in Australia. I honestly think current trends, and this probably goes a little bit worldwide as well, but I think current trends are kind of pointing towards like naturalistic setups and yeah. kind of like your normal looking animals. So I think people are, you know, getting a blue tongue because they appreciate the blue tongue for being a blue tongue, not because it's, you know, fiery orange or something like that. So, yeah, I, you know, and that'll probably swing around again in two years time and yeah. morph blueies or whatever will be all some, the rage yeah. again. You know, some new morph will pop up and everyone gets a re-interest and... I'll tell you what, I do like those melanistic blueies though. They are cracking. I, yeah. I had one and that's one animal that I was like, this is a really cool animal. I think I think a little bit more work needs to be done because they are a bit of a weaker genetic there. Like they're a bit more susceptible to RIs and stuff like that. But um, yeah. no doubt that's already been worked on. It's probably already fine by now. But yeah, yeah. melanistic blue tongues, man, you could sell those every day of the week, I reckon. Yeah. No, they're, they're, I've always had a thing for those melanistic blueies. But those lava blueies as well, that they're, they're, they're nice too, yeah. I even like the, um, them. the pinstripe blotch blue tongues, just because I'm yeah. a blotchy fan. They're quite yeah. cool. No, they're nice as well. Do you ever see the image in that um, Snake Ranch book, actually, of that blotch blue tongue? Uh, to be honest, I've got the book, but I've never read it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think no. I've got like four copies of it, hey? Oh, you would. I mean, no, right I, I, I've never actually paid for one of them, though. Look at little Josh Hatton on Josh the front. Josh Hatton there. on the front. <laughs> <laughs> Rocking it. No, there's, um, there's a little section in the back where there's actually um, uh, a few things to do with lizards. And one of the photos that I remember just being like, oh, man, that is a cracking-looking blue tongue. And it was, <clears throat> pardon me, was this particular one of, there it is, a blotch blue tongue. It is the best looking blue tongue I've ever seen. Far out. So just to describe, much describe this, it's basically, imagine a blotch blue tongue with just like these bright, fiery orange stripes perfectly down the back from, of the animal. Yeah, basically from its head all the way down to its cloaca. It is the bee's knees Yeah, as far as blue tongues are concerned. And the pinstripe yeah. blotches that are out there now are good, but this is just like off, off tap. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've never actually read that book. I don't think I've opened it. I think when I was first getting into a few things, it was a pickup. I think um, I, I, I think I might have bought it somewhere for like five bucks. But then the other ones I got, I remember buying a bunch of books and someone used them to protect the books. <laughs> like put either side. I'm pretty sure it might have been her books. I can't remember who it was, who I bought it from. But yeah, it was like at the end, well, it was basically all around all the books just to protect the ends of the books. <laughs> That's classic. Yeah. So. Spe- speaking of books, there's a little segue for you. Did you actually end up getting any books this week? Um, I haven't got them yet, but I've ordered some. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, but no. Um, just a couple of new ones. No, nothing fresh in hand, but um, no, I'm just waiting on them to ship. Well, no, I've ordered them on Friday, so... Um, just a couple of smaller, smaller ones. You know those little mini concise ones, like they're about that big. I've got one of them. Oh, yep. Um, I think I've got the lizard one. I got the frogs and the snake one, and just another smaller book from of um, snakes of tropical North Queensland. So, yeah, I saw that one up somewhere. I can't remember. Yeah, I saw. it might have been even eBay or something like that. Yeah, I was on the I was on that Facebook page. That's where I um I saw that, so I jumped across onto the onto the thing. I think Nigel post posted it, and then I thought oh, I'll grab cool. that, and I saw those two. I've got the other one of the small little reed concise ones, so I thought I'll 
I'll grab the other ones there as well and just chuck them in the bookshelf. I just need to get another bookshelf now. So, <laughs> Yes, you do. It's starting to look pretty full <laughs> behind you. I can't fit the books in. They're just sitting on the thing behind me. So, um, But no, we're um, going to go to Bunnings on the weekend and buy some um, stuff to chuck in the veggie gardens and start building the fence around the turtle pond and start digging the hole. So that'll, that'll be um, probably Sunday Arvo job. Oh, cool. Start knocking the hole in the ground and going from there. So well, that'll be good. I, I was down there feeding them the other day and just kind of unclogging the pump as I do. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, well, I was I was actually scooping out a whole bunch of duckweed because the duckweed was just kind of taking over the top of the, the surface. And I like to have a little bit of UV actually penetrating the water. Yeah. <laughs> as I stuck my hand in, one of the saw shells grabbed me and latched on. <laughs> like, oh, you little bugger, you thought my finger was a worm or something. Oh, that's so, gold. Yeah. Awesome. But yeah. Awesome so, animals, I love yeah, those man. guys. Yeah, my son's going through a thing with turtles at the moment, so that'd be awesome. Good timing. Perfect timing. So he's um he's not over the over the lizards, but no, he just he's always spoke about turtles though. Like mainly he's obviously sea turtles, but you know. He's just obsessed with turtles, so another yeah, good thing. Might be his I'll, thing. Yeah, I'll do a little um, frog hotel at the front with a little pot of water as well, just off to the side. Put a couple of pipes in it just for the frogs getting around here. So, oh, speaking of frogs, so I think I've told this story before, but essentially next to the turtle pond, I had kind of like a couple of big drums of water. They were just like the storage containers you get from Bunnings, and um, <clears throat> I basically just had like you know, branches and floating plants and stuff in there and kind of left it to its own devices so the frogs could come and go as they pleased. Yeah. The other day when I, when I caught up with my in-laws, they were like, Luke, I think you bred too many frogs <laughs> with that frog <laughs> thing outside. They sent me, they showed me a video and that was like all stuck to the glass croaking, like the amount of uh, parents tree frogs that were there. <laughs> They're like, That's it was just God. deafening. <laughs> so they've all grown up over Oops. the last year. <laughs> Yeah. And they're all just like bombarding the neighbors' places at the moment. So, yeah, well, oh, frogs well, are frogs and frogs good. are awesome. Yeah, so. that's it. And it's, you know, helping the, the wild population. So, hell yeah. And they need all the help they can get at the moment. Exactly. So. I'm half tempted to put something down on my balcony here, but I don't know if I could get any frogs right where I am. I know I get them close, but not, not exactly right where I am. But You never know. It's that movie. If, if you build it, they will come. Yeah, true. What was that, that movie? That's very true. Baseball oh, I movie, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know. It lost me on that one. Yeah. I don't I know just, the reference, though. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that might just piss your neighbours off a little bit, though. Well, that, I've probably already pissed them off with the one <laughs> filler crower that doesn't leave me alone. Actually, speaking of that little devil, my wife this morning gave me a bit of a boot, and she was like, that bloody frog was going off this morning. <laughs> well, you should have just gotten up and closed the door to him. <laughs> So I don't want to get out of bed. Is your frog? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a spot here if he needs to come here, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll keep you updated. I might just have to get rid of the mail and keep the girls. Yeah. So that's I did. Gold. I did actually get a book in the mail this week. It was one that I ordered a while ago. So it's um Australian Geographics uh, second edition to Mammals of Australia by Peter Rowland and Chris Farrell. So yeah, pretty stoked to have that in nice. hand. That's from the same like book series as um Scott Scott's Lizard book and stuff. Yeah, yeah, just a little so, kind of handy yeah. field guide, really. Like you could take it out in the field quite happily, but um, yeah, nice little one. It actually kind of comes in handy because the last couple of herps that I've had have been pretty average. 
but I have yeah. seen a fair few different um, mammals getting around actually. So it's always good to just open up the book and have a quick little read about them. Yeah, no, they're not a bad little um, series of books. I've got quite a few of the, um, um, like, uh, Reptiles of Bali, Reptiles of India, Southeast Asia. I've got a couple of those ones as well just to um, kind of, you know, complement the Australian native reptile ones as well. It's always good to branch out and see what else is out there, hey? Yeah, but I kind of want to don't, don't want to focus on to the... Um, Overseas reptile books. Yeah. <laughs> it's a slippery slope. Not the rate that you buy them. <laughs> no. So, but no, I enjoy it, you know. It stops me doing other things and I've just got to catch up on a bunch of reading now, so. <laughs> yeah. Not reading to the other ones I've got. But, you know, it's, you know, I sort of do it at night time. Yeah, once the kids go to bed, I don't really watch much TV, so I'll either watch a couple of YouTube videos or read books, so. Oh, it's funny, hey, like I, I, I can't remember what I was doing, but I was, I came over to the bookshelf and I just sat down in my chair here and I pulled out um, Gunther Schmieder's, like the hardcover copy of his monitor book. Yeah. I don't know what I was doing or what I was trying to read or I can't remember. But anyway, it's like an hour went past and my wife's like, what are you doing? And she just came in here. I'm just looking at a book. I was like, I did not even notice that hour go past. I'm just like, you know, reading little profiles and stuff on different goannas and that. Yeah. It's so easy now. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's good just having your books there. Yeah, I need to get a comfort chair. I'm just sitting on a bloody crappy kitchen stool one. It's pretty uncomfortable, so I need to get a nice little um, computer chair or something. Mate, Officeworks, I think this cost me like 80 bucks. Yeah, that's what I need to do. I need to get Officeworks and I've got to pick up the um, those posters and I might even grab a chair while I'm there. I need to get another printer as well, so i got to print out more drawing stuff for my son. He's obsessed with drawing dinosaurs at the moment, so colouring in dinosaurs. Oh, so, we keep buying bloody colouring in books and he just colours them all in. So I thought, you know, we'll just get another printer and just print them out. It's easier. He might become a little bit of a uh, reptile artist. Yeah, he might. He's he's getting pretty good at colouring in the lines too. He's not even three yet. Like obviously he still goes out a bit, but, you know, like he coloured in this, um, I think it was an Indominus Rex or something. And it's like, yeah, perfect. It might have even been a Velociraptor, but, you know, did did a pretty bloody good job. I was impressed. I looked at this. I was like, geez, look at that. Play colours in better than I do, and I'm 33. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd probably be outside the lines plenty of times. Yeah. So, oh, that's but, awesome. um, yeah, no, he loves it, which is good. <clears throat> are, are they the posters that you got from, uh, that we got from, where did we get them from? Belgium? Yeah, I think they're from Belgium. Yeah. 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 Those ones. So, they've just been rolled up. I've just haven't had, every time I've gone to office works, I've forgot to take them with me. Every time I've gone to do something, and then I was like, no, nah, I've got to get them done because he's got a nice, like, big, dinosaur poster i wanted wanted to get laminated as well so oh, that's that at the same time so. did you get them done in matte yeah 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 that was a good the, call i found that the, the gloss finish is just you, you just can't see them as well hey yeah, yeah. like especially because i got a light kind of right above me so where i look at the posters you know yeah. but man they they look awesome those drawings i eh? the strafurus yeah. one man you've done such a good job on those strafurus come up so good even the leaf tail one they all came up pretty good. I mean, yeah. the, the the knobby one's good as well, but um, yeah, the the stroughs and the leaf tails, those are like you can see the amount of hours that have gone into those drawings. Yeah. Like, yeah, it would have been pretty painful. Yeah, because I remember follow, like because I've obviously followed them years ago. I remember just like watching he do the individual drawing of each one. He'd show you snippets of like bits he'd drawn and stuff on his Instagram. It was awesome. Yeah. So good stuff, hey. Yeah. 
So we've got a bit of an exciting news as well. Yeah. It's only very, very fresh. That was like a couple of hours ago, wasn't it? Yeah. I can kind of confirmed it and got <laughs> got wifey's permission yesterday. I got wifey's permission this hour. <laughs> Perfect timing, really. Yeah. Well, you were able to, you know, she needed a trip and you needed a trip and two That's different it. reasons. But uh, worked out perfectly. Yeah, so Jason and I are starting to kind of tee up a bit of a hurt trip, hurt trip with uh, Luke Youngins up in the NT. Yeah, I'm nice so pumped, man. I'm so pumped, mate. I'm just pumped to see anything, really. Like I said, every time I go out, it's pretty much something new for me. So this is going to change your life, I think. Yeah, like I, I honestly think it will because. You know, like, as we were talking about with Luke, I kind of said, like, it's like another country. Like, yeah. no word of a lie, it is like another country. And it's like, because you're into the animals that live in places like this, it's yeah. just, you can appreciate it so much more. Like, I saw bugger all when I was there last, happy to admit it. But seeing the country and just being yeah, in the country definitely. and feeling the temps and looking at rock escarpments and stuff, like, freaking mind-blowing, hey? Yeah. No, mate, anything anything i'll just froth over you know whatever it is so (laughs) that's what luke was saying is like if you got a bit of a rough list and i'm like mate my list is that long is anything that's there Uh, that's what i said to him especially anything gecko if it's anything gecko related man even even like even like your legless your pygopods and stuff like that you know like even snake anything really literally that's what i said to him i was like you know me monitors geckos Pythons, dragons, whatever. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Fucking turtle. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah. Like, 100%. Yeah. Not going to touch the the leopards. Happy to admire them from afar. Oh, look at them. Yeah. But yeah, but, uh, not. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm super excited. So yeah, we're kind of trying to rough in a bit of a time. Probably going to be oh, between sort of February, March, potentially next year, depending on how the wet season sort of progresses and stuff so luke yep. was kind of saying that it was just um he got hit by a storm yesterday on his way home from work so yeah it seems to be shaping up for a reasonable wet season um but yeah, yeah we're we're keen to go up i think we're going to do well hopefully sort of like a five day sort of like hard ass herp trip i'm just excited to do it and rough it you know like do a little bit of a adventure style trip because yeah. it's a little bit different when you drive home to a hotel every night so oh, definitely yeah let's jump in the swag and sleep under the stars yeah man i think that's what it's all about i'm super keen for it hey listen to all the birds screaming you awake every morning oh yeah you'd be up at sparrows as soon as that sun comes up it's way too hot way too hot especially in swag yeah yeah it's um yeah it's pretty warm we stayed at this one place in kakadu that's like essentially like a glamping sort of thing because obviously i was with my wife and I don't know what it was. Some something was screaming all night, and then you'd wake up in the morning, and the birds would be screaming as soon as you woken up. Like it was just, and it was hot. It was hot. Yeah. I went up in uh, beginning of October. Yeah. Like two weeks prior to the NPR guys going and finding the bloody Owen Pelly. <laughs> <laughs> Shame you couldn't tee it up at the same time. Imagine yeah. taking that. I can't believe that they come over and find Owen Pelly. Yeah, they did pretty well for themselves. Yeah. Alone the, they, they got a fair few of the other. They got most of the python species in the NT. I think the only one they didn't get was the olive. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they got waters and water pythons and stuff, didn't they? Water pythons, blackheads, children's. Yeah. 
Man, I'm keen for anything. I want to see yes, Poygas. I'd love to see Stroffs. You know. What Nobby is it that's up there? Is that Asper or Shio? I think it's Shio. I think. I always get confused between those two. Yeah, I think. Asper's Queensland, it, isn't it? Yeah, because they've got the banded Asper out there. Yeah. Um, I think. Don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure of the distribution of them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it must be Shio. Then it's up in the NT. But yeah, yeah. dude, I, I'm I'm keen for whatever. Like Same I know here. Luke's saying that he needs to tick off Kimberly Rocks and Owen Pellies for himself. So, you know, he might nail that before we even get up there. But at the same time, you know, he's got a few good spots that are going to be pretty good for a few things. And the wet season might change that around a little bit on us, just depending on accessibility and stuff into places because it does get pretty, pretty monsoonal up there. But yeah, dude, I'm so keen. I know Quite there's... I'm pretty sure there's um, Amy A in the NT. Yeah, that's where I went. Alice Springs, yeah. mate. Oh, you saw him, didn't you? Yeah, you bugger. <laughs> no, I saw one, and I had to chase the little bastard down too because he was running so quick off the side <laughs> of the road. He saw me coming a mile away. Yeah, you still saw one. Still counts. Yeah, oh, 100%, exactly. Even if, yeah. yeah. I got a couple of decent little photos for myself for him as well. Yeah. Good enough by my standards anyway. But um That's all you need, man. It's just to say you saw it, get a picture of it and tick it oh, off. I still look back at that video and like it's funny because like I make those herping videos and as much as it's for people that watch my YouTube, it's also for me. I love going back and watching them and seeing the animals that I saw and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> my, my face the whole time I'm talking about the AMEA, I just look like a kid in a candy shop, like can't control my excitement <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> That's gold. But yeah. That'd be like cool me with like finding anything. Dude, like, yeah, like, I think I kind of discussed this with you the other day, but I went herping a couple of times last weekend. Yeah, it was last weekend. Yeah. And um, on the on the one night, I think it was, I was actually Thursday night. I think I did like 22,000 steps or something ridiculous. That's and crazy. Where, where I was was very local spot to my old place and it was with like so many people from the crew that were out there. There was like honestly like 20 herpos out. It was kind of crazy. Um, but Did you I split was up? In, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there yeah. was one group in a car that were essentially just cruising the road um, and then there was a couple of groups on feet, on foot. But I was waiting at, this, at the at meeting spot for one of my mates to come up there and he got a red adder on the way up. So he stopped with no. that and I was like, oh, damn, I should probably drive down and, and see him. But by the time I was kind of gearing up to do that, then, you know, he was leaving and coming up. And then um, the group that were in the car cruising, they also got a Red Adder and two Boigas as well. So that was <laughs> that was really good. And then the group that I was with just on foot, you know, doing the hard yards. Um, what did we get? We got Burton's Legless Lizard, Blind Snake. Uh, being hunted by a bandy bandy so that was pretty cool we didn't realize it at the time we found the bandy bandy and we're like oh that's awesome you know and then like watched it for 10 minutes five five minutes or so and then we saw the little blind snake crawl out from underneath a leaf and we're like oh that's what the bandy bandy's chasing <laughs> like yeah that was pretty cool um and yeah we got a filler crower as well but um yeah it was a bit of a quiet night considering the weather and like all everything was kind of lined up really for it but you know you can't pick it you can have the best weather in it 
nothing. Nothing's out. And then you can yeah. have the worst weather and everything's out. So Exactly. Yeah. You were saying Sunday's supposed to be pretty good, so Yeah, so it's supposed to be you know what the weather's doing at the moment. It bloody changes every day. Oh, it was supposed to rain all weekend, but we didn't get a drop here because we had my daughter's first birthday. Yeah. That's why I didn't go out. But um, yeah, like it was supposed to rain on the Saturday and we we're like, oh, what are we going to do? It was supposed to rain on Saturday. But yeah, I think I got like four drops in the morning and that was it. Yeah. So It's crazy, hey, because like the day. other day it was saying that it was yeah. supposed to be 32 degrees on the on the Sunday. Um, yeah. Now it's pretty much saying 28 with an 80% chance of rain. Yeah, but right. it's three to three to ten mil of rain apparently. So it's not like like it's a bit. It's not yeah. hectic, but it might be even a good night, even if you just want to go around and muck around with some frogs or something like that. Yeah. Even that spot that we went to, there was a fair bit of frog life hopping around there. Yeah, there was. It was interesting watching the country change, as you know, as you kind of the further you walked. Yeah. A little bit higher up. So I, I went there the other night with my mate. We got nothing. I saw a fox's ass. That is the only animal that I saw the whole night. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but that's because the temperature just dropped off real quick. Yeah. So yeah, went there with him, did about four or five passes in the car and then called it. Um, but yeah, so we, we drove it to the end of the road. Yeah. And I think if you're in a car, it's definitely worth driving that extra part of it because pretty much where we stopped walking was where it really started to get nice and scrubby. Uh, okay, um, yep. But it would be a bit of a dodgy area to walk potentially. Yeah. So, yeah, I can see why we definitely wouldn't want to do that. But even if you do a few passes there and then walk the other section of it sort of thing, yeah. like it's, there's no reason why you couldn't do that. But, yeah, I reckon there definitely be a few things on that road. Yeah. That was a good spot. Yeah. Uh, super excited about it, hey? I don't yeah. know, it's just good to get back into the season of herping. It's it's kind of fun seeing everybody yeah. again. You know, guys you haven't seen in six months or something. Since you... And even guys you haven't met. like Exactly. A lot of the time when like, meeting Ollie, that was like a last minute, like, he sends me a picture. You want to go for a herp tonight? I'm like, oh, go on with Luke. Shoot Luke a message. I'm about to start driving. I go, are you on the coaster? And he sends me a picture of coming over Mooney Bridge. Yeah. I was like, oh, shoot Luke a message. I'm just about to jump in the car. So, But, um, yeah, no, that was good. No, I'm keen to pretty much hurt with anybody. Hey, that was actually funny because as we were, as me and my mate were driving, driving that road, I get a message from um, just a guy that I know over Facebook or whatever saying, "Hey, are you road cru- cruising such and such an area?" I'm like, "Oh shit, somebody's already spotted me." <laughs> like, how did that even happen? It's bloody dark out, and somebody could recognize yeah. my mug. So, yeah, that's that quite funny. Quite funny. I've, I've got to um, reconnect one of my grid connect power boards. So that seems to be connecting. Weak Wi-Fi. Yeah, but there's one in the same spot next to it and it's connected, so I don't know. That's odd. Yeah. Still haven't hooked up the misking to my one yet. No, I do plan to do that. But... Yeah, well, the misking's hooked up to this one, so I want to try and get it going before tomorrow because we had a power outage today, so that's probably why because, you know, everything come back on and didn't come back online, so yeah, along those lines maybe. But, um, man, I'm, I love that stuff, eh? It's crazy. It's good. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's so handy. Yeah. I kind of just released my um, YouTube video. I think it was this week. Yeah. Or, or something of that. And um, yeah, it's, it's so funny about how many people are actually using it and how many people used it before it was popular. How many people are starting to go, 
I had a few people go, oh man, I just went to Bunnings after I saw your video <laughs> to spend you know a whole bunch of money and buy some power boards and stuff. So that's so handy. People are getting into it. Yeah, but like I've got a camera now set up as well. But um, I've got to set that up. But yeah, it's just so handy. I love it. Mate, for the money that it's worth, it's an absolute game changer. I get notifications all day about what's going on in my room while I'm at work. and you know, But it's not that expensive. That's a good thing. Like mm. for a power board, like a fully controllable power board, four fully controllable outlets, individual, it's 50 bucks. Not even, 40, 42, yeah, 43. 42 bucks, yeah. Yeah. All right. You know, by the time you buy four of those individual timeable outlets... That's like $65 by those ones. Yeah. But, you know, like it's uh, so handy. Yeah. So. Scott Iper definitely put us down a wormhole with that one. So we got to blame Scott for <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. I was already tinkering with it and thinking about it. And then he just like pushed me over the edge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not super, super. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. Once, once I started years, I was like, man, like it's so handy. But it'll be definitely handy having that camera set up as well, just to keep an eye on things as well. Like my female Boyd's, like she's grown heaps. She's looking a bit thick at the moment. So, you know, be interesting to see what happens with that. So, Do you reckon she's gearing up for her first clutch? Possibly. Like yeah, she's like, she's thick, like around the, the midsection. Yeah. The last probably four days, it's just, yeah. Exploded. Exploded. Like one of the males isn't eating as much. I think he's... um. He's the one doing the deed, so. That's exactly what happened with mine. One of them looked like she swallowed a golf ball and the other one got yeah. a little bit skinnier and couldn't care less about food. His yeah. main thing was just he just wanted to breed. Yeah, I think that's what, what might be happening here. So, I mean, she's like smashing crickets as well. So, but like obviously not enough to make her look like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, she's just got a little bit more voracious, like a little bit more game so they'll basically jump off the branch now and come and eat crickets as soon as they see the container they're down waiting at the door that's good though that's like yeah my mind are like that most most days but that's yeah. what you kind of want is that interaction yeah. too and you can see that like oh yeah i really want to eat you know like i'm yeah. really keen for some food and makes it easier for you too to to kind of see the interest levels because yeah, as you right. say like with the male being a little bit less interested you'll be able to pick up when he is because obviously he'll He'll come charging for food, hopefully. So, yeah, but then it's got me thinking whether I just, you know, try and maybe move on that other male rather than so I don't have two males in the same enclosure. So, yeah, I don't, yeah, I've never really kept two of those guys together, yeah. but like most dragon species, I'd imagine most dragons they don't really like um, territorial. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll maybe look at doing something like that in the next few months or so before it gets a bit out of hand, I think. So, Maybe even trying to find another female or something. Yeah. See if you can swap one out. Somebody might have too many girls and want a new boy or something like that. Yeah. So never know what's going on there. Yeah. Even hit up Coop. He might want a different bloodline for some males or something like that. You never know. Yeah. Never know. Somebody's always going to want an animal. Yeah. There's no that's doubt right. about I mean, that. I mean, if, if I, even if I don't, if I just move the male, I'm happy to just have a pair. So. That size enclosure is perfect for a big adult pair too. Like that'll be heaps yeah. of room for them. Yeah, definitely. So, but yeah, I've got to finish that other enclosure. Got your background in, so just got to. That, that looks really good in there. Yeah, it can't really good. I might post a picture of that. Yeah, you should. Yeah. So I'm um, just waiting for some soil to arrive. 
getting it from AK? Yeah, yeah. It's been a bit of a issue with couriers, I believe. I don't blame that. So, That's um, they've been a nightmare lately. Yeah. So um, yeah. Once that comes, I've got plants behind me which i can i swear that's even bigger since last week it looks like a <laughs> no, freaking it's the same size. there's there. actually a few plants less so the missus just taking some inside for indoors so <clears throat> that one there is going to go in the boids yep the big birds yeah birds will go in with the boids i think a few of the ferns will go in with the frogs um but i think for this other tank i probably won't have too many ground-dwelling plants, I believe. I think I'll try and keep a lot of the space down the bottom relatively a bare, a bit more open. I might put a f- uh, f- ficus in there, a smaller one. And I'm Are we allowed off. to talk about these animals yet? I haven't I said anything about them yet, no. I oh, know, you haven't. It's been like uh, a I'll post something soon. Post something soon. Well, I, I enjoy seeing the updates and all these people who yeah. are just going to be listening to this going, what the hell is Jason talking about? But, but um. Yeah, so it'll be good. I'm in talks with um, the guys from Lilydale High School. So probably gives people a few hints out there. <laughs> well, at least you're giving them a tidbit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, keen. Keen, keen. No, that'll be good. I'm, I'm really keen to see it together because I've actually filmed making the background. So once oh. you actually... Once Mate, I'm, I'm keen to knock it. If I had the soil, I'd probably knock it together this weekend, to be honest. Like, I've yeah. got branches and everything. I'll probably knock all the branches in, put the background in, put the soil in, and then start looking at planting. So It's only going to be like a little short video, but once you do actually kind of plant it out and then have a couple of pickies of the actual animals in there and that, I'll, um, get some I'll finish video up the video you. up there. Yeah, and then we can share it to the page and yeah. kind of see it come together and what Jason's talking about and all sorts in there, so... Yeah, it'll be kind of cool. I'd have to knock up another one as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going all gillers on these critters. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. So really looking forward to it. What do you reckon, mate? Do you reckon we get stuck into the meat and potatoes of this episode? Yeah, we kind of we kind of did have a bit of a topic, obviously by the title that people will probably see for this particular episode but yeah we have a bit of a topic tonight that we want to get into and that's talking about some stroughs yep how to keep them where they come from habitats feeding breeding all the juicy stuff all the good stuff yep should pretty much just narrate this book to them hey yeah just read it chapter by chapter (laughs) yeah if anybody out there can get their hands on this book it's worth doing, especially if you are a bit of a gecko nut, but A Guide to Australian Geckos and Pygopods in Captivity by Dr. Danny Brown. It's worth getting. Hit up Jason. He's got like 17 or something. So, <laughs> Not that many. <laughs> you won't. I'm just trying to get the messages them. coming yeah. in. <laughs> they probably will. I believe you can actually get the PDF version of it still. Oh, cool. Well, yeah. that'll be good. So, at least you can get that. Like the PDF version of the book. So you can like at least read the book. On, on like you know smart device I think don't quote me on that. I'm pretty sure you can I remember seeing it somewhere well, even still like you know the pictures are awesome but you know even if yeah. you could do it on your phone then that's like the information's there yeah exactly and that's what you need if you're getting serious about some of these geckos yep that's it so so stroughs mate yeah where to start where to start basically yeah 
there's a lot of different types of strops you can get at the moment. There's if you can find them, actually, they're probably they're a little bit harder to find. I know Rick was Rick was probably the go-to guy for strops the last couple of years, but um, I believe he's still sitting on a fair whack of them, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. as well. But I think, yeah, I don't know whether he's actually gonna. I think he didn't put a bunch together this year or something. But um, yeah, I think he got a bit overwhelmed last year, and then having like yeah. the expos and stuff canned. You know, that's a lot of his business and that. So I think he ended up sitting on a lot of animals. Yeah, but um, yeah, basically, as I reckon, they're great for a, a beginner as well. They're a, quite a good beginner species. They're a good display species as well. So if you want a nice terrarium, just you know, if you just want a pet. You can set up a nice terrarium in your living room, your bedroom, this and that, and they're basically on display. They are they are fantastic for that, hey, because most geckos, like things like your leaf tails, your oedura, or any of your nobbies and stuff like that, they like to hide during the day. Whereas yeah. Stroff's kind of take a little bit of a funnier role where where they kind of come from in most situations is kind of like oh, low to the ground shrubs and things like that, where yeah. they almost impersonate the branches that they sit on. So they tend to be a bit more exposed during the daytime hours and, and actually sit out in the open. So yeah, pretty much guaranteed any time that I look in one of my strop tanks, you can see the animal straight away. Whereas yeah. if you're looking at Oedura or leafies or whatever, you've no, got to find them. They're, they're hiding. Pull, pull branches out, pull hides out, everything. But no, these guys just love to perch on branches most of the day. Sometimes they'd go, you know, where you're, your back wall, rock back wall kind of sits up near the mesh. They'd sit on top of that. But you'd, yep. if you had like a tree on an enclosure, at least one of them would be on the branches. Oh, yeah. They are like, oh, man, such a variable species or, or group rather of, yeah. uh, of geckos. Like they do come in really so many different colors, so many different shapes as well. Like even amongst the group, you've got really tiny guys like Strophorus elderi. Like they're a yep. tiny, tiny little gecko. Yeah. Um, Right up to, I think ciliaris tend to be one of the bigger ones as well, don't they? They're probably yeah. up there as far as troughs go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tons and tons of different species, and these guys inhabit pretty much, pretty much drier country. Majority really. of Australia as well, really. Yeah, which well, I mean, drier country that is yeah. majority, majority of Australia. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, right from the top of the, you know, you can get like ciliaris aberrans and stuff up in the top end of. The Northern Territory, as well as Ciliaris, oh, sorry, of um, WA, as well as Ciliaris over in uh, NT. Oh, I mean, you got Spinageris and stuff right down in Perth. Um, yeah. Man, Intermedias. There's so many different species, hey. Um, it's heaps. Wellingtone, Intermedias, Williams Eye. Congo, Chris Layers. Yep. yep. Um, Golden yeah. Tails. Golden tails, yeah, ten a quarter, and the other two or three subspecies, or however many of those guys there are, yep. there's a stack of those guys. It's a Gianni, however you pronounce it. Yeah, Ornari. ten a quarter. That's Queensland, isn't it? Yes, that's like yep. Brigalow and up that way. Yeah, so there's three described subspecies of ten a quarter, but I believe yep. there's a fourth that the you know it's, there's in the works. Yeah. Okay. But um. Man, there's yeah, but there's there's still, you know, there's, I think they described one recently, didn't they? Of the Strafurus, one of the smaller, um, smaller, what do they call them? Like 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 the um, like Elderai or something? Yeah, like the Horneri or something. Oh, I can't remember what that was. 
Mental There's blank. So many different types. I can see it. Like I can it's like a little. Oh, I, mean, I have a mental blank. It's literally just escaped <laughs> me. Trucks or was it trucks? Oh yeah, Truck? yeah. Trucks. trucks. Yeah. Strafurious trucks or something. Something along those lines. I think it was. That was only described relatively recently. But um. And stacks. So. Yeah. I feel like they keep getting split too. Like even just looking at the Williams eye, they come in like reticulated, spotted, like different varieties. And it's like, well, that's potentially something there as well. You never know. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there's there's stacks of different varieties of stroughs out there. And as we kind of said, you know, they do cover pretty much all of Australia. um, Yeah. Right over everywhere. They're actually a species that have eluded me in the wild. I've spent a lot long time looking for these guys around Alice Springs and down Yalaraway and stuff like that. I really want to see a wild strop. I don't know what it I is about it. One. I spent a bit yeah. of time looking for Spinidras over in, um, in Perth anyway, when I was yeah. over there, but yeah, didn't find any. They are, as far as like strops go, like I would love to get my hands on some of those guys. They, they're, um, yeah, that species. The, no, the no, yellow no. eye on the on the grey body with a black dorsal stripe, oh. like, well, it's like a black zigzag, isn't it? It's yeah, like, yeah. I think the thing that gets me is just that you know that photo of um, what's the book? It's one of the reptiles of Australia books where it's like the the spinnageris on the front of it and it's hanging off the the banks here. Oh, I think it's the uh, one of the swans, Wilson and Swans, I believe, one of the earlier editions of the Wilson and Swans. Oh, yeah, there you go. Luke's got it right in his hand. Yeah, straight to the bookshelf. This is yeah. really handy having this right here. Um, yeah, dude, that I never refer to as a reptile or sexy, but that is a good looking gecko. Yeah, I absolutely love that thing. But yeah, the, the eyes on those guys are just that nice crisp yellow with that kind of red around the pupil. Yeah, very, very nice looking gecko. Um, what do you reckon? Do you, like housing these guys? How do you? go about housing these guys i'd keep them the majority of them in 30 30 45 exoterras in pairs but some of the smaller ones i'd have in a trio so i found giving them the height they used the height more than they'd use i mean if you gave them a 45 45 60 they'd probably use a lot of the space as well but um yeah i found the 30 30 45s was just a good size for a pair you know and because I had quite a few of them back when I used to keep them, it was just kind of it was a good size for the rack. Like I could fit quite a few enclosures next to each other as well. Yeah. So that's what the majority of my exoterras that I've still got housed. So. Yeah, they um, that that size exoterra I definitely think would be awesome for for a pair of them. Like they mm. they are a very small gecko at the end of the day. They're not something yeah. that's going to take up a hell of a lot of space. But you know, some of the biggest bigger ones like i definitely think that my aberrants my aberrants use the whole 45 cube that they've got yeah you know so as far as a pair goes like that's something that i, I kind of took into consideration I, yeah i think you could do a trio of those guys in there quite happily but yeah yeah some of the smaller guys like the ten a quarter and stuff like that definitely you know, 30 30 45 but yeah exo i definitely find are a really good enclosure for those guys because there's plenty of ventilation couple of nice swing doors on the front so you don't yeah, get sand good. stuck everywhere and you can kind of use one of those doors as a bit of a, a shield too just in case they're looking like they're extra hungry yeah they're pretty um voracious feeders the little buggers too <laughs> they are 
yeah. my little golden tail will jump out of his banksia tree any day just to grab a cricket like he's he doesn't care yeah. at all he throws his body straight off there and lands on yeah. whatever he can catch my um aberrants were like that yeah they were um yeah voracious but yeah silly awesome i think are the largest out of them all i think they're about nine centimeters i believe sounds about right event. so yeah. they're pretty they're, yeah, they're a decent size but yeah they're you know, and some of the color variations in the ciliaris as well. Yeah, well, especially just like yeah, the, the ciliaris themselves, not the ciliaris aberrans as such, yeah, but the ciliaris, they they got these beautiful mottled yellow patterns over them, as well as different shades of grey. Can have red eyes, can have kind of yellowy, silvery eyes as well. Yeah, like all those ornate White red spikes. Eyes. Yeah. yeah, spikes yeah. over the eyelids. They're actually a really cool gecko. I love that. It's kind of like, it's just so random too, that like mottled yellow patterning everywhere. Like it's yeah, not. But they consistent. change color. Yeah. So, it's almost like a calico, you know, like yeah. those calico animals like you can get where they just almost don't stop changing. It's it's quite unique. And then you got like the, um, <clears throat> so as far as like dry shrublands and stuff go, there is a lot of species that inhabit those, but then also a lot of stroughs actually inhabit um, spinifex. Yeah. Which is like your Trooks, your Elder Eye, your Gianni. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Taniatus. I probably butchered yep. that, but that's another one that looks very similar to Jayani. And um, yeah, they're another one that inhabits that kind of Spinifex hummock grass. I've got to grow some of that. I've been meaning to. I've got the seeds. Yeah, I was going to say, did you get the seeds for that? <laughs> one day. So, what size do you prefer for yours? Um, look, to be honest, I've always kept, like I've only kept a few. So I've kept ten a quarter in the past, and I had them in a thirty, thirty, forty-five, and thought that was yep. quite sufficient for a pair of those. Um, currently, I do have one ten a quarter in a thirty, thirty, forty-five, and then I've got the the aberrance pair that are in a um, forty-five cube. But yep. I'm quite happy with the forty-five cube for those guys, just because they are a bigger gecko, and I don't mind giving them a bit of extra space. But at the yeah. same time, if I happen to come across like a you know, another female. I think that that might be okay to house a trio of those guys in that size box. Yeah. But I'm not scared to put them in a 30, 30, 45 for a pair. Yeah, no, I only kept pairs in those. But obviously, yeah. like your golden tails, I'd, I've kept some trios of golden tails in the, in the 30, 30, 45s, like fine. Yeah, they're, but, they're um, a little bit smaller, a little bit more plastered as yeah. well as far as these guys see, go. I kept my guys naturalistic, so to speak. You know, I had the sand bottom fake plants. Um, I think I've got a few pictures up on my Instagram before I had the exoterras of the old um, Reptozoo, I believe they were. Oh, yep. Um, swing door. They like a, like a they look like an exoterra, but not as good. Then I swapped everything to exoterras. Yeah, but, those, um, the, the, those um, Reptozoo ones, they had like that little spring-loaded latch that you yeah. push down, and sometimes if the you lost spring the spring out of it, <laughs> you couldn't lock the door. But um, yeah. I started off with a heat tape underneath, so like basically under all the enclosures, and then I swapped everything out to just um, downlights. Yep. I found the downlight gave a nice focused heat source on the branches so that actually perch on the branches more, whereas if you put the heat source underneath, they'd basically, obviously to get warm, they'd go down onto the heat cord. So when you say downlight, are you talking halogens? Are you just talking like an LED downlight? Yeah, halogen. So it's like halogen. the old old style halogen downlights that you can't yeah. really find anymore. But yeah. um, yeah, 
And I kept them for a while without UV, bred them, had no issues or anything without UV, but obviously keeping them on UV because they're out during the day, I eventually switched everything on to UV anyway, so... They are one of those species that as far as geckos go, UV does tend to be a little bit more important because they do get a lot of UV during yeah. the day. As Jace just said, look, they do they do sit out and openly bask or uh, slash blend in with their surroundings, pretending to be a stick yeah. or a part of a branch. Um, so that's why UV tends to be a little bit more important. But like most things, if you're doing the right supplementation exactly. diet-wise, you can get away without UV for a lot of things. You know, I got away without UV on frogs for a long time. And then it wasn't yeah. until I was just like, ah, bugger it. Like, I just want to give everything UV. Yeah. Because why not give them the option of what's in the wild? Um, yeah. So my strophs now obviously have UV. I've got a 5.0 Reptisun T5 unit above my strophs and the Oedura that are next to them. Um, yep. Yeah, for heating though, for me, I've never actually put a basking light above them. Yep. I've, I, I've I've done down lights above these two now just because the, the room is pretty warm as is. So those down lights, albeit LED, they do provide a little bit of an extra warmth to that top end of the enclosure. Um, but in the past, I've used heat mats taped on the side of the enclosure. This yeah. is another way for them to kind of be able to get to it without going to the ground as such. Yeah. No, I think I prefer the downlight purely just because it, you know, basically almost mimicked the sun. So yep. I had that direct overhead and I found that obviously were perched a lot more. Yeah. Because if I use the underfloor heat, they were always down kind of on the sand, dug a bit of the sand away. Yeah. And were kind of pressed against the, the sand instead of being on the branches as much. The only thing that I ever worried about with like halogens or incandescent globes above them was just the fact that I just found like they just get so hot. Yeah. And you know, when you're talking such a small enclosure, you got to be pretty conscious about that. Like even like a little 25 watt halogen puts out a hell of a lot of heat. Yeah. People use them for monitors. I use them for monitors. That's why I've never used them above a gecko because I'm like, I know that my Gillen's monitors can sit at 65 under one of these in a tub. Exactly. I'm not putting this in a 30, 30, 45 yeah. personally. <laughs> so, yeah, so I had them all dimmed uh, okay. on a dimmer and then on a thermostat. Just on well, That's up. smart. Yeah. I don't have that as an option. So yeah. I'll stick to my 9 watt LED down lights as a little bit of extra heat. Yeah. So I just had them on an on off thermostat and a dimmer, like a, like a down light dimmer basically. Had little downlight yeah, dimmer controlled, okay. so it just controlled that circuit, dimmed them down to roughly where I worked out the room temperature that it was pretty much a decent basking spot. And that way, if it ever got too hot, they'd just all turn off, come back on, they'd still be dimmed at the same. same. I think I'd give that a go if I had more stroughs. That sounds yeah. like a very reasonable way of And it looked nice to too. Yeah, well, you get that nice warm glow from them as yeah. well, wouldn't you? So it'd be that yeah. kind of nice yellowy warmth of sunshine looking yeah above all your racks yeah that'd be, uh, that'd be pretty neat yeah but that's that's what i did but yeah a lot of rack space thanks <laughs> <terrors. laughs> are you going to get back into struts you reckon at all like would you um, if you were to get back in what would be the species a little bit of a segue here but what would be the species to get you back in just to have a pair or something like that just a pair probably not that you can just start with a pair with stroughs. It's kind of hard. I don't know. It'd have to, I don't know, to be honest, because I had pretty much 
everything that you could keep. Yeah, you had a pretty awesome collection. Lifeless, yeah. I do like the Spinidurus, to be honest. that There's something about – they were the first ones I got from memory. There's something about that grey and the yellow eye. It's the contrast. It's the contrast yeah. between the two. You've got those kind of like really yeah. bright colours of the eye with being yellow and red and then on that kind of – uh, more neutral background of like that light gray with a kind of dark gray slash black zigzag. Like, yeah. It just works. But in saying that, like if you could keep, I'd probably, I'd love to have some maybe like Strafurus, Strafurus or Wellingtone, but purely because we could, we can't keep them here. Yeah. On license, which I don't understand why. But um, yeah, probably those if you could, I reckon. Or even some of the just smaller spin effects ones or something. I was going to say, I thought they might be a bit more up your alley just because they're a little bit more uncommon as well. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I don't get why you can't, but, you know, they're the same as everything else. I mean, Elderai are around, but they are a tough little cookie to crack just because they're so small when they're born and yep. raising those little things up like they're... I had them, but I never bred them. I definitely put those in the experienced keeper basket only, yeah. as far as stroughs go. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not even game enough for them. I love them, but I know how much of a pain in the bum it is to feed little tiny beaded geckos, and those things are probably twice the size of Eldoro. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, they're still like. Yeah, yeah, Eldoro probably like another couple of centimeters off that, but um, yeah, yeah. They're beautiful though. Gorgeous. Absolutely. They're one thing. They're one gecko I'd love to see in the wild is some Eldora. And just see the, the variance of the color across the range. The darker ones, the lighter ones, and this and that. Even some brown ones as well. Yeah. There seems to be some sort of like brown brown ones with speckling and stuff in uh, old Danny Brown's book as well. Yeah. Some nice looking individuals there. Yeah. But they're, they're one I'd love to photograph. I'd love to get any of the stroughs. Like that's just one of those things. Yeah, same. Been wanting those guys for so long just to be able to see them. Been to two places where I could find them. Lucked out. <laughs> Mate, I went to one of the stations that are actually mentioned in Danny Brown's book here. And Didn't I spent probably about five hours in the nighttime, much to my wife's dismay, looking in little shrubs. <laughs> Yeah, she was pretty burnt out by the end of the trip, as was I, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's not worth it in the end, though. I had a ball. That's the main thing. Yeah. But, yeah. Now, they're um, really easy geckos to sex. Like most geckos, you can oh, get yeah. those really big hemipenal bulges on these guys as well. So, once you've got a little bit of size onto them and they start maturing, it's really easy to tell the sexes apart. Yeah. Um, males are super obvious. You know, if one of them sticks to the glass in front of you and it's... You know, at least half grown, you should be able to tell pretty easily. Yeah, the the sexes between them, but yeah, they're. Uh, other than that, they're not really sexually dimorphic as such. Sometimes the females get a tad bigger, if I'm not mistaken, in a lot of the species. But yeah. what's what what sort of basking temps were you aiming for with your guys? Oh, low thirties. Yeah, yeah. Basically, so nothing too crazy. Pretty much like anywhere from like twenty nine to thirty two. I was pretty happy yeah. with. Yeah. So. As long as I could get away from it. My That's whole right. thing is getting away from it. If the other side of the enclosure is, you know, low low to mid-20s or something, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, but I honestly find that these guys are pretty uh, forgiving 
Yes. You know, like they, they, they can, you know, they can handle lower temperatures if you give it to them. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. They're one of those geckos that because they don't exactly burrow away or hide away so much, they kind of go with what the elements throw at them. So, yeah. That sounds like there's like something in the room behind me doing something. I don't know what it is. I think I'll have a <laughs> possum on the roof or something. I thought there might have been a possum on the roof earlier because I could hear this like tink, tink, tink. And I yeah. wasn't sure if it was you or me. I was like, no, trying it was to me. I if my racks yeah. were cracking. I keep looking behind me. <laughs> sometimes the metal racks here, just with the, like the expansion and contraction during the day, they have a bit of a creak to them. So I wasn't sure yep. if it was me, but might all in all be a possum on your roof, mate. Yep. I'm going with that, I think. But, so, um, what else do you put in the enclosure to kind of set it up? So you got your heat light, so you've got that source there. And when you say you're setting them up naturalistic, what's the sort of decor and things that you're so putting in there? So I'd pretty much go sand, fake plants, you know, like I had a lot of like fake grassy type plants um, that yep. were like thin fronds kind of thing. And um, obviously I did go red, like reddishy desert sand. I wish I knew your trick about mixing the red desert sand with the with the Bunnings play sand earlier. Oh my bulking train. Yeah, that would have been really handy. Should, but, should um, we just um let's just digress there for a second so yeah. we can educate some of our listeners. I'm sure some of you out there know, but go to your local pet shop, buy ten kilos of red desert sand, go to your local Bunnings, buy twenty kilos of play sand or Sydney wash sand or whatever you want to do, chuck them in a big tub together, mix them up, it barely dilutes the colour but it'll bulk out your sand. So you've got about 30 kilos of 30 red kilos, sand yeah. for the price of, you know, a $7 bag of Bunnings sand and however much 30-odd bucks of red desert sand cost you. But, yeah, good way to save your money. I wish I knew that one. But, yeah, so I'd just years. do that and basically I'd go and snap off, like, some gum tree branches with, like, you know, bits of pieces going everywhere and just stick them in and have branches everywhere. So, you know, kind nice of and spindly. Yeah. Nice and spindly. So they'd just sit on little bits here, there and have, you know, directly under the basking spot, I'd have some branches and lower just basically everywhere. Um, and a nice water bowl down the bottom corner. That's pretty yeah. much what I'd have. I'm pretty much doing the same thing, except at the moment I'm trying to grow real plants in there. So yeah. apart from that, like I've got a pretty, pretty basic setup as far as, that goes like yeah upright branches sideways branches um i've just got a bit of a drainage layer smidge of leaf litter and uh yeah trying to grow some plants in with mine which haven't haven't been working would come in handy too 100 percent. yeah rather than the 30 30 45 yeah because plants obviously take up space but even in yeah. that like little 10 a quarter tank i've just got a little tiny native mint of some variety yeah um and even that's quite a spindly plant itself. So I find that he's quite cool. You know, he kind of goes and runs around inside of it as well. So, yeah. But yeah, other than that, the premise is the same. You can keep them with or without plants. Without plants, yeah. obviously, you're going to have more room inside your tank because you've got less depth of dirt and stuff in the enclosure. So right. you can just have like a centimeter or so of substrate on the bottom, which then means you've got more height for them to be used in a 30, 30, 45 yeah. enclosure. And you've built a um, lay box in the back of your enclosure, haven't you? Yeah, that worked. It yeah, worked. So that, that, yeah. that was in the 45 cube. So, um, I mean, if any listeners are keen and they do actually want to see how I built out the enclosure, you can go onto my YouTube and find my Silly RS Aberrans enclosure build. Uh, but I built in basically a little nest box in the back 
left-hand corner of the enclosure, which is a, a fixed lay box, so I can't actually pull it out, which it's a little bit hard to access when it's on the top shelf of your reptile rack, but um, <laughs> step ladders come in handy for that. Uh, yeah, she she basically got in there a couple of times and and used it. I've got a couple of clutches out of her. I think I think I've only got one fertile egg out of the lot so far. But yeah. um, yeah, know, the caught... first clutch. No, you said you got a couple out. Second, yeah, second so, clutch. Yeah, yeah. She's never bred before though, so yeah, you know, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's basically for what's inside there, or, 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 or sorry, I should probably start with the shape of it. It's probably about a 10 centimeter cube nest box roughly. So it's not overly huge. I know a lot of people would use things like uh, plant uh, pot plants, like those, like those little cheap pot plants you can get from your local hardware store for a yep. couple of dollars or whatever. And then you'd use like a plant saucer on top yep. of that with a hole cut out of it fill up the inside of it with pretty much a 50-50 mix of um, sand and, and coir peat. That's pretty much all I've done inside of this nest box, except I made it yeah. look a little bit fancy nice. and look like part of the rock work, essentially. Yeah, um, yeah stoked. She used it. That was kind of caught me by <laughs> surprise. I came home the other night after a failed herp and found my leaf tails hatching and couldn't find my female aberrants and Decided I may as well check, check the box, and there she was, covered in sand, just finished laying the clutch. So perfect timing. Pretty stoked. Glad I caught yeah. it because I wouldn't have known otherwise. You, they yeah. really, they don't. Well, I find that they hide the eggs quite well because I didn't notice two clutches in her. You'll notice. You'll notice more now. I think now that you know. Yeah. Um, especially if they sit on the. If you see them on the glass, you can kind of see the eggs through them. But right where they're the like back legs sit you can see the, the bulge of the egg right near their legs that's pretty much i found the best way to tell but um i basically just used chinese takeaway containers cut a hole in the lid and i just used sand i didn't use a 50 50 mix i just used moist sand oh cool so with the when i had the heat cord i'd sit you know the end of it on the heat cord and then the rest of it would be off the heat cord so basically it had a temperature gradient inside that egg box to suit and they can just lay them wherever they want. I found they laid them about in the middle most of the time. Yep. Once I switched it to overhead, they just laid them wherever they, they thought pretty much there was no, you know, front, back, middle or whatever. They just laid them wherever. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't mix them with um, quiet peat or anything like that. I just went straight sand. Yeah, cool. sand. So. And with, with the containers that you used, were they like your typical takeaway containers that were long and flat? Yes, and like shallow ones. Yeah. Oh, not shallow. They were probably about five centimeters deep. Okay. So like the deep, the deepish ones. And then, yeah, just cut a little hole in it with a standing knife, fill it with sand. You could always tell when they'd been digging because they generally f- dig the hole and they'd of kind of, out. yeah, flick sand out. But they'd almost block the entrance with sand, I found. Um. You know, and one thing is those lids can crack easy. So the other way I found is if you just cut like get some scissors and just cut like a a notch out of the side of the lid where it clips over. So you you know instead of trying to cut a circle in it or, or something like that, in you the just middle cut of a notch out, yeah, yeah, in the side. But um, they'd always kind of block the entrance with with some sand as well. So that was kind of a good indication that they'd laid. You could tell when they were testing because they'd flick sand everywhere, but. Once they'd laid, they'd kind of just block that entrance a little bit with some sand. That is the beauty to clear nest boxes as well. Yes. Like, because I, I use clear nest boxes for my gill and I, and yep. you can see where they've been digging. Like, even today, I was able to check these ones behind me, and I'm going, oh, yep, 
that only went in there yesterday and yeah. you know where it is, you know, like exactly you found the nest box because you've yeah. been in there. But um, that's why I didn't see it with the aberrants is because it's so well hidden and it's yeah. deep enough that she can't flick sand out of it so easily. Yeah. So unless almost... she came out of there covered in sand, then I'd know. Yeah. But... You could almost, when you build one, is stick a, like a container in there, yeah. build around the container, but then stick another one in it like I used to do with my leaf tails. So yeah. when you pull the container out, you just pull the container out, but you've still got a bit of plastic in there, so it just sits in that so they can't kind of, you know, get around and you can see underneath without actually sifting Disturbing through Disturbing the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. 100% that's what I'd be doing in the future because yeah. I think that's a very smart idea. Yeah. Just makes it that little bit easier. but Because um, oh, the eggs aren't huge either. They're like, you know, they're <clears> probably, <throat> what, like a two Tic-tac. centimeters, if that. Yeah. It's just the elder eye eggs. <laughs> Man. Even it's, smaller it's again. It's freaky enough having eggs this small. Literally, elder eye eggs are literally the size of Tic Tacs. Yeah. So. These things are pretty tiny. Yeah, these things would probably be, yeah, I'd say about a centimetre and a half, two centimetres yeah. long by probably a centimetre wide around, if that makes sense, like thick. Yeah, like I, oval I, shape. yeah. yeah they're, they're a very odd little shape. Like they're a bit yeah. more elongated. Yeah. Rather than, you know, you think like around. the standard sort of like normal kind of gecko egg where it's kind of a bit more like an, an oval or a traditional egg shape sort of thing. Yeah. But these ones tend to be a little bit more elongated, almost like a boiger egg or something or an elaborate yeah. egg. But not quite that elongated though. Hmm. I found mine were a little bit more like not as like not as tic tac shape, a little bit more a thinner one end and then a bit fatter on the bottom end. Yeah, okay. Almost. almost. I haven't seen that many eggs. I've only seen yeah. Half a dozen, ten a quarters, and but yeah, one fertile aberrant. So, but yeah, they're definitely small though. It's fun <laughs> trying to get them out. <laughs> it's fun trying to put them in an egg box and going, yeah, that just roll half the way. Yeah, <laughs> what I do is when I, because obviously I had the, the removable container, I'd pull it out, dig away, and then just get the marker and mark them before I pulled them out. Yep. So I knew, but obviously, within your situation, you can't really do that. You got to kind of pull it out, sit it, and then mark it. But that's just. I was digging blind. Yeah, you, exactly. You can't see in where it was higher and everything. But, yeah, um, that's the way I found it was easiest. Just pull the container out, and sift away, find your egg, mark it, pull it out, put it in the in the incubation tub. So I was like slowly scraping like this, and then I just felt that like typical reptile leathery kind of, yeah. sort of feel, and I was like, oh, something's there. Got my phone on like video mode just so I can yep. kind of use it as like a a third eye, so to speak. Yeah, and I was like, "Yep, cool." I'm never getting the pen to that to be able to mark that because you're like, "Yeah, all off six, awkward so. angle." Oh yeah, but yeah, I'll be stoked if I hatch a couple of those out. That's just a bonus for me this yeah. year. Exactly. So, but um, yeah, how that's... did you go raising small geckos like that? Oh, I lost a lot. <laughs> so, as much as I love the exoterras, baby strafuras don't do well in exoterras. So there's, it took me a while to work out. Basically at the back where your cords go through those little holes, they can just like slip out then, even if you've got them closed. Yep. I'm probably sure you, I think you might've lost some that way as well. Yep. I can tell by the look on your face. That one that's um, in that exoterra right there. So he was actually given to me as an egg 
by one of the guys at work who his tenacorder were breeding like mad. He didn't have an incubator set up. We should probably get into incubation a bit. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but we'll just continue with the story for now. Um, and uh, yeah, so I hatched him out, tiny little guy, put him in a 30 by 30 cube exoterra, taped up the back. I thought I'd made it like escape proof because it's such a classic story to hear about stroffs getting out those cord gaps. And then one night I came down to feed the geckos. And I was like, what the hell is that in the middle of the garage floor? And then he's just sitting there. I'm like, oh, don't know where you came from. Quickly caught him. And then I was like, okay, he needs to be in something a bit more secure than that because that's... Yeah. 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 That's Glad I got him. So I, um, I'd use different... So I started off buying Systema containers. They're like a... Oh, you'd almost store... They're like a tallish container. Similar to those ones you've got your... Um, Similar yeah, to the leafies? Yeah, 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 by Berberin. Similar to that, yeah. So I started off buying those and using them and just sitting them. So on the rack that I had, because the obviously if you've got a 30, 30 exoterra, it's not actually 30 long. It's like 30, 30.2 basically. So I couldn't fit yeah. a full rack. So I had like a space at the end of each level on the rack. So I just sit I can like a little bit of the tub on the um on the heat court. Um and then I switched oh so instead of buying them and you know, having to get your soldering iron out and solder all the holes in and I'd always cut a, a mesh lid in the top so I could get a little bit of UV over the top of them as well. Yeah. Um but then I ended up switching to so when I'd buy crickets, I'd get um, depending on how many I bought of what I bought, you'd either get, you know, your bag of crickets with your egg crate in it, or if you, I'd always buy a smaller amount of, say, small crickets or something like that, and they'd come in like this clear plastic container with like a double hinge lid, so you could either hinge like it was like it was probably about fifty mil of the lid up, and the other side of it hinged like the rest of the lid, or you could just pull the whole lid off. So I ended up using them for it like they weren't as, as high as i'd probably like them to be for strafuras but i found you know they do well in them and they were a little bit longer so it kind of helped with the heat cord i had a little bit more of a heat gradient instead yeah. of you know them sitting on the heat cord but um yeah i pretty much just used them because they were free basically it was either that or i throw them out so yeah, it's, not yeah, your, yeah. it's not your pisces containers it's not those ones they were um they were probably like I'm going to say about, yeah, that, you've exactly what you've got there, but the next size up. Okay, so they're actually bigger than that as well. So a little bit bigger than that one, yeah. So there's that size and the next size up. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I'd use them basically. Did you have to cut holes in the top of them for UV as well? I did, just glued a little bit of mesh in it. So I just cut yeah. a hole in it and then just hot glue gun some mesh in the top. Yeah. And I thought, you know, like it's that container's getting sent to me. I'm just going to throw it out instead of buying containers i'll just use those and they worked worked well so yeah oh recycling is always a good thing yeah. i think i think going forward i definitely just use these little system of containers that i've got so they're kind yeah, of like yeah. a 15 centimeter high by probably about 12 or 12 centimeters or something in that sort of vicinity yeah. but um i will probably just use a hole saw or something like that to lightly drill a small hole in the top so i can run like a t5 above them yeah um, providing I get a few stroughs out, who knows? But um, that would be where I kind of go. Yeah, and they seal good, those ones too, the ones you've got. They're like the new updated spill-proof yeah. ones. 
that's my main thing. I, I like escape that's proof. Yeah. yeah. And I'd still do the same thing as what I've got for the leafy. So a couple of sides of the, the tubs, I've got um, soldering iron holes through there. So obviously big enough that crickets and, and, and geckos and stuff stay in there. But I'd still do that little hole on the top with a bit of UV over the top of them. So Yeah. And, that, and like a, U, a little UV globe, like one of those T5 UV globes, like let's say you've got half a dozen geckos or something underneath those, like that's that's probably more than enough heat. Yeah. Something like that small Oh, too. yeah, especially depending how close you've got it. Mm. So, yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, that's that's what I found. I just, you know, it's a little bit economical really instead of buying plastic tubs. Oh, 100%. But, um, I just know to... me and my hands, and I tend to crack things like that. So yeah, well, they're, those ones are relatively strong, I find. Yeah, they are those ones, but they um, are. but yeah, I mean, I just found that yeah, they were handy. I had bunches of them lying around, so because I, I would get like you know, I'd get a large, a bulk size of medium or a bulk bulk large size, and I'd just get like a little a bunch of small ones, and they'd come in them. Hmm. So. So let's kind of just backtrack for a second, second then. Do you want to go, just because we've yeah. just kind of jumped from adult housing to juvenile housing, why don't we talk about how Some you actually incubate your eggs? And well, what, Let's go back even further. How do you set up your adults for success for breeding? Pretty much I found basically pairs. Um, yep. Obviously the odd trio, depending on what I had. Um, naturalistic setup, um, hot spots. I'd feed them pretty regularly. So I'd feed them every like two days, but I wouldn't yep. feed. I wouldn't just chuck a handful of crickets in and walk away. I would chuck a few in, like, I, I, or not, I wouldn't say like a handful, but I'd chuck a few in, go to the next one, chuck a few in, go to the next one, chuck a few in, like as I'd go around the room. So I'd basically do like a circle around the room. And then by the time I got to the start again, I'd just see if they'd eaten because these guys were voracious feeders. So, you know, if they'd eaten all the crickets, I might chuck another one or two in. And if I'd find that they had no interest in them, I'd just pull pull that one out because, you know, the crickets can do a bit of damage yeah, to, um, to animals, lizards. Yeah. small lizards. But um, pretty much, yeah, I found that was the best way to set them up is feed them regularly. Um and obviously, because they were the basking spot around 31, 32, so they were kind of the metabolism was was pretty fast. So they're not something you can feed every, you know, four or five days or whatever. But yeah. um, but yeah, and once once they start laying, you kind of got to keep that food up to them, food and calcium up. Yeah, because if you know they'll go, they'll go downhill really quick once they because once they start laying eggs, it, it's you know. It's hard, hard to, to stop them, them to stop laying eggs. Like yeah. you can put, you you could get your first clutch. I'm not saying this is going to work all the time, but you could get a fertile clutch, pull the male out, and still get like another four or five clutches of fertile eggs, depending on you know. But yeah, I found the hardest thing to do with them was to get them to stop laying clutches. Well, that's it because you're kind of re-triggering cycles because you're going, oh, you just laid a clutch. I need to feed you heaps of food. Exactly. Which then goes, hey, I've got heaps of food here. I can lay another clutch. Exactly. You know? So it's just an ongoing thing. That's what I had with my nobbies. And I think I pulled a male out from my Pilgrimsis trio. Yeah. One of the females was laying fertile eggs a year later. Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy. Incredible sperm retention. 
Yep. But I found that was also the benefit of having the lay, removable lay box. Yeah. You pull the lay box out and she might lay another clutch, but because there was no suitable to lay, like obviously I'd still moisten a little bit of the sand, but it wasn't like super deep. Like it wasn't deep enough to lay the clutch in. Yeah. And for it to hatch. So she'd lay the clutch and be like, oh, there's no really good to lay. She'd basically almost stop laying. So I'd cut the food down a little bit, pull the, pull the nest box out to get it to stop laying. Did, did you um cool your animals at all or give them any sort of like seasonal break? So what I do with my guy, basically what I've done with everything is the only cooling they get is nighttime. So lights come on, mimic sunrise, heat light would come on, and then as the sun went down, the heat light would go off and they'd have no heat over, over nighttime. But yep. that was the same with my juveniles as well. I just did that with everything. Yeah, I think because I wasn't I wasn't there to raise the hatches to breed, so you know they just cool down a little bit of night time. I wasn't keeping the heat on twenty four seven to pump them full of food to get them to grow and this and that. So yeah, well, that's like you know that's what they'd be doing in the wild, right? Exactly. Well, that's what I figured. You know, like. There's no heat at night time. They might get a little bit if they're near the road or something like that, or so a rock outcrop or something like that. But if you're on, you know, it gets bloody cold in the desert of a night time. Yeah. And that's what I found found was really good with my gill and I was actually dropping yeah. the temperatures over winter with a lot with them a lot. Is that yeah. actually triggered them to breed a bit more. I, I I found that I just had better success as well with doing that. So yeah, you know, it's something that I'm definitely going to take into consideration with these rooms is even just running those heat lights at different cycles and stuff during the the cooler months of the year, just so they still yeah. get warm during the day, but maybe for less day length. So instead of yeah. having heat for eight to ten hours or whatever, maybe it's just six or something like that. You know? Yeah, but I mean, you'd be surprised how hot they can get, even if the air temperature is cold. As soon as mm. they get in that sun. Um, you'd be surprised of how warm they can actually get just from the sun. Like if you go in the morning, you sit in the sun, it might only be 16 degrees, 15 degrees, but you can feel the heat on your skin. And obviously yeah. a lot of these animals have, have adapted to, you know, heat up from the sun. So that's what they're there for. Yeah, yeah. but also day lengths are reduced and stuff exactly. during winter. So it's kind of all relevant, right? So that's you're still right, giving yeah. them that basking spot during the day, yeah. but just for a reduced hour Shorter period. Time. That's right. Yeah. So, but that's basically what I followed. I didn't do like a strict, you know, 12 on, 12 off. Or was it just kind of mimic the, obviously it would overlap a little bit with the, with, you know, with my time mode, depending on what I'd set it at, whether it'd be 10 hours of daylight, 12 hours of daylight, 11 hours, just whenever I changed it, but it kind of mimicked. Now that we've got like these grid connect systems. Fancy you can, grid connects. You know, you could just tell it to say, hey, once the sun goes down, like starts to go down, just turn the lights off at sunset sunset or sunrise you know do whatever yep. you want so basically you don't need to adjust it itself it does it automatically yeah so, that's something i still need to set up with my stuff as well and we're just waiting yeah. for a couple more power bills to dial it in um <laughs> I, I like i'm the same as you i try not to provide heat at night time as well for a yeah. lot of my animals and i think that in itself like those animals even if it's a couple of degrees lower than what it is during the warmer months like they're going to feel that they're going to know that it's colder out there you know so definitely that's like a big cue in itself. Like I think one of the funniest things I ever heard of was anteresia breeders. All they have to do during winter to cool down their animals is crack a window, you know, yeah. like, and it's a good trigger for them. So yeah, yeah it's, um, it is one of those things, you know, 
I think most people these days try to go through a bit of a natural cycle. Yeah. Um, incubation time. What did you find with your guys? Man, I'd have to go back. It's been it kind of does vary species yeah. to species. It depends, as well. and it depends on your temperature as well. Yep. Um. But yeah, I yeah. See, mine fluctuate a little bit. I would generally incubate temperature around. What temperature was it? I'd set it at about 30 or 31, I think. Oh, I can't remember now. About 30. 30, yeah, about 30 or 31, I think. I'd have an incubator set up. So pretty warm. Yeah. Mm. So I was on the shorter end. I think from remember when I read the book, I was like, oh, yeah, no. And then they hatched out. I think it was probably about three or four days before what it said in the book, which was about 50 odd days. Yeah, 50. Yeah, 50-something days. Might have been bang on like 51 or something like that, 52 from memory. Yeah. I think. So. Yeah. I'm going to recite Danny's book a little bit here. Um, But basically incubation across most of the species, depending on what temperature you're actually running at. If if you're kind of doing in between 27 to 30 degrees, you're basically going to get them out between about 55 to roughly 75 days thereabouts depending on species yeah um something else that is i think it's across the board with all geckos is you actually have sex determination with what incubation temperature you use as well so that sort of temperature roughly you're going to get a kind of 50 50 mix of males and females lower down temperatures so like your 23 24 degrees you're actually going to get more likely chance of getting females out and higher temperatures you tend to run males yeah so it's uh yeah, depending on what you've got in your collection and what numbers you're trying to go for, most people will probably shoot for that mid-range anyway yeah. just to see if you can get clutch pairs of boys and girls. Um, but if, you know, if you're looking to get another girl or something like that, it might be worth incubating a couple of eggs cooler. But in saying that, it doesn't always go that way. There's always an exception. Yeah, that's right. Because like I said, I'd usually do it. So I'd set the, the dial on the... I think it's the, the, what's the white one? The Habistat one? Habistat. Not with a knob, it's with the one you can put the screwdriver in. That's microclimate. Microclimate, yeah, I have a microclimate one. So I'd set that, it was on about 31. But you know how the numbers are funny on them? Yeah. But where the probe was, because I got like a heat tape in it, not heat cord, heat tape. So that was up kind of on the back up the top. So the, the bottom of the incubator, I think, was probably at about, I'm going to say 30, 29.5 or something, but the top was about 30, 31, or even 35, 30.5, sorry, not 35. I was, <laughs> I was going to say eggs. you start making omelets, making mate. omelets. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like I never set, like you hear people like they've got all these um, thermometers and this and that, like to try and get the precise temperature. I basically just set that kind of between 30 and 31. And that was just what I went with. I wasn't too, I wasn't too like, what's the word? Like I wasn't like, oh, I've got to, I've got to breed them. I was never like that. Like if, if they, you know, if I got eggs out and they bred, it was, you know, it's what Bonus. I did. But like I said, yeah, I've, I hatched out um, some pilbarensis, just stuck them on a, on a heat cord on like near the heat cord on my rack that I had my pills in. You could probably do the same with these guys. Like, 
I don't necessarily think you'd need to probably use an incubator. You could probably do room temp for these guys as well. I think I'd like to try that if I got another clutch out. Yeah. Um, Something that might be a potential, though, according to the Bible, is you might be a little bit, if you do go on the cooler side, especially if you are doing them at room temperature, so you you still want to kind of hover around those low 20s anyway. Yeah, you you can't do it in your room temperature. Um, you might be a little bit more susceptible to funguses and stuff like that. So that's just something to take yeah. into consideration. But I found if the egg's good, generally you wouldn't get too many, like you wouldn't get a fungus outbreak. But if yeah. there was a, you know, if the egg was bad, straight away you get fungus. Because I've had good eggs next to bad eggs. Like, because I just incubate the egg. If you can, like, you know, half the time wouldn't bother canning because I covered in sand or something. You couldn't see in it anyway. So you incubate them next to each other. And one would go bad, but you'd never get anything on the egg next to it mm. that was good. I've had crazy things like, I mean, just to take it away from geckos for a second, but I've had like clutches of pythons where, you know, there's like eggs that look like they're rotting and a yeah. baby hatches out of them. Yeah. And he's like, how, what? Like, <laughs> it looked like your egg was so crinkled for like 50 odd days. Yeah. And it was covered in green mold and God knows what. And then a, albeit a small kind of weak baby still pops out of it. You're just like, yeah. geez, the, the will to live in some of these eggs. Yeah. Yeah, it's but, crazy. Um, I might have to set that incubator up and actually measure the temps in it properly. What were you using for an incubator? Were you just using like a homemade like fridge type setup? Yeah, a wine fridge with a glass yep. door on the front. So it'd be, um, I'd have a little bit of like water on the bottom as well like a bottle of water in there just to try and keep the, the temp stable a little bit. Yeah. And but, the um, tub, tubs that you were using to incubate, like what were you actually doing inside so of the... I actually, uh, I ended up, I was using, originally I was using the, um, those, I can't remember where I got them from. I think I might have got them. I bought them online. They were the, I was always suspended over water, always. Yeah. Um, but they were the, the Chinese containers with the black, the little black bit in the middle. Yep. I was using them. Um, it's got like the little egg tray sort of thing. Like yeah. The egg divots yeah, in the there. round egg divots in there. So I was using them. And then I found after a while, the containers just like like all Chinese containers, they just go brittle. And yep. then I I ended up buying a bunch of the iron bark um, pets ones off um, Rob. Can you Where's see that Rob? enclosure there? Yeah, those ones, those exact ones. I've still got, I've a bunch got of an old exoterra on top of this rack, and I'm yeah. just pointing to like probably about a dozen of those iron bark tubs in there. <laughs> yeah, they were great. They were probably my favorite. They're so, my favorite. Yeah, I would just basically use them for everything. They're um, so easy to clean. Then they're yeah. indestructible. The only thing that I did to most of mine to alter them is I put a little pinhole, pretty much, with the soldering iron above the waterline in the, the bottom of the tray and then on yep. the opposite corner of the lid i put another pinhole just so there's a little bit of cross ventilation i'm like yeah just enough just so then if you open up the tubs they're not 100 percent sealed they don't pop any eggs or anything yep. like that it just gives a co2 ex- a chance to escape out of there as well yep. so but yeah they're great little containers yeah. that's literally what i just had those six hatchling children's pythons in yeah. in the incubator while i was kind of getting the first couple of feeds into them yeah, I love them. I found that the straw eggs were like a little, not a little bit too small. Yeah. But, um, they're probably on the borderline of too small. If you're going to have like Eldorah or something like that, I'd suggest maybe 
putting something beside the eggs or something like or that. Putting them on perlite but, um, or something yeah, like that or something so like they didn't that. roll around so much. Yeah. But um, that's there what I used. And then I just put water in there. But my mate Kyle got me onto using those um, water crystals. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, I'd like you'd pull it out and you'd be trying not to slosh the water around too much. But those water crystals, I was like a genius idea. Game changer, hey? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, sorry, guys. I've just gotten distracted. I've just pulled out a baby children's python. Just to show Jason, I think it's the first time he's seen them. So, yeah, I saw your video, but man, they're tiny. That's Never... like an earthworm with teeth, hey? Yeah. Where are we here? There you Lager go. Fella too. <laughs> uh, probably pulled out the wrong one. This one actually hasn't fed yet for me, but yes, it's um. It might feed now. Take it for a drive. <laughs> yeah, take it for a drive. That's the <laughs> trick, isn't it? I'll just go take it around the block in a bag. Yeah. But um, yeah, I love those containers. Does he still sell them? Hey, is he hey. is he setting back up or? Um, he's not yet. I think he's plans to at least. I know he was planning to bring in more of those containers because they were super popular. Man, for him. I love those. I think I bought like ten of them. Yeah, they were cheap too. That's the yeah. thing. Like they were probably like like I couldn't even fit ten in my dollars or something incubator, like but I bought ten of them. Yeah, <laughs> I stocked up on them. I ended up I ended up bringing them into the shop for him. Because I was yeah. like, these, these things are so good. And we don't have a big market for that sort of stuff. But I was like, oh, I'll, I'll stack like 20 on the shelf for these. These are awesome. Yeah. Um, no. So, I mean, my incubator that I've got, I actually I actually scored pretty good. So, one of my friends was getting out of the reptile hobby a while ago. Actually, same guy that gave me the full or almost the full set of those um, Scales and Tails magazines. Yeah. And he had a proper made Kamani reptile incubator. So, they, right. they were around years ago. Like, and uh, this incubator, when it first came out, was probably a twelve hundred dollar incubator, and I scored it for two hundred bucks. So yeah, I right. set it, and it doesn't move from the mark unless the room overheats. Yeah. See, my they're, they're what I thought of doing with the with the wine fridge because the fridge component still works. I thought of setting up the cooling as a backup, but I never yeah. never did it. So a lot of people talk about doing that. Yeah. That is something that I would have done to my old wine crib, wine fridge one as well if I didn't gun I mean, it already. I'd probably do it maybe if I had like a clutch of green cheap python eggs in there or something along those lines. Like I wanted to I wanted to get them out, but like I said, if if I didn't get the eggs, like if they didn't breed I wasn't I wasn't overly fussed. So Yeah, at the same but, time um, I think fluctuation is also a good thing, right? Like yes. I've been talking a lot to Matt about like, you know, my green tree pythons because I was just maternally incubating and I was kind of freaking out about, you know, the room dipping too low overnight, even though I was only getting to like 22, yeah. you know, and he's just like, dude, ride it. Like, yeah, gets cold overnight in the wild too. Make it work. For 100%. It, you know? See, I found like with the leaf tails and that, I never had any issues with hatchies and the temperature always fluctuated. But sometimes when you're incubating at like those precise temperatures constantly, You'd always get the odd like something wrong with the hatchy here and there, like. But yeah, I never had that issue with the baby leaf tails or the chameleon geckos, and the temperature yeah. would fluctuate anywhere from like twenty eight down to whatever the nighttime temperature got to, whether it got below twenty down nineteen eighteen. I found it took longer to incubate than what the book said, but yeah, basically that always would be around the same day. Yeah. But yeah, I never had issues with hatches, never had weak hatches or anything. 
but I had a few. Maybe maybe my temps were too hot. But in saying that, I don't think that thermostat was that accurate though. I don't think it. Like I had it at thirty one, thirty. I think it was like thirty point five. I don't think it was actually thirty point five in the incubator. Was it an on off thermostat or was it a dimming or? Yeah, it's a dim, uh, dimming or pulse. Oh, it's outside. I should have a look. It's under the deck. It might have even been a pulse pulse one. Yeah. Okay. So it was reasonably stable. Yeah. What I was kind of getting at, whereas a lot of the on-offs, you know, they'll kind of dip down for a couple of minutes and then go yeah, back up and back dip up, down, yeah. you know, they're kind of a little bit more irregular. No, Stroffs are an awesome group of geckos. Hey, like they're... Yeah. I really rate them. That That's one that I've been trying really hard not to go down a wormhole with. It's just because it's just like, it's so easy because they're so small. They're so easy to feed. They don't take up a hell of a lot of room. And I quite easily could just have... 30 of them with a you know in a blink of an eye and 30 of them doesn't take up a lot of space or food or heat or electricity or food gets a bit how you go on breeding season but you know that's like any lizard though 100 you know as long as you're prepared as far as a lizard keeper goes like you know an adult shroff you're talking like maybe two or three medium to large crickets depending yep. on the size of the strof in a feed yeah. like it's it's bugger all that's right but you know yes it will be a little bit more if you have 30 yeah. of them but to me that's no sweat right now considering yeah. the amount of monitors i'm feeding so i'd always buy like like a bulk big bulk bag of mediums and then i'd buy like a medium bulk of large and then i'd basically feed off all the large crickets on that one feed pretty much for like all my leaf tails and everything else Yep. Then I'd feed all the mediums to the stroffs and a bunch of other geckos. And then obviously I'd have like food and that in there and they'd grow a tiny little bit. And then towards the end of the week, I'd feed off the rest of the, like the rest of the crickets to everything else, like the leaf tails and everything else. And then I'd get another order again the next week. Yep. So I've got kind of like a rotation. So I, I buy medium bulks. Yeah, and what I do is like over that week period, I feed those geckos, those geckos, I feed those um, crickets pretty well. Yeah. So by the time the week is up, essentially they're large by the next week. Yeah. And then I kind of have like a rotation of those bins up there, yep. where I kind of go through, and then I tend to have large crickets from those ones that I've grown up because the company that I buy from as well, I'm sure it's the same with most companies. The larger the cricket, don't the less long. you get in the bulk, and they so, don't last long. And they don't last long. So that's why I buy the mediums is because then that tends to give me, you know, even if I was to buy one bulk of mediums, it could last me like two or three weeks during a cooler month. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, it just goes a bit further because like I think a medium bulk for me is like 1,500 crickets, whereas like yep. if it was a large bulk, it's like 1,000. Yeah. So you're physically getting less crickets for the yeah. same money. Yeah. But you've got to grow them up yourself for a bit. So yeah, that's right. So that's why I'd buy the small. It wasn't. It was like a half bulk or something. It was like five hundred or maybe not even, whatever it was. I'd buy the smaller large and then feed them off as soon as I got them to all the yeah. larger stuff. So they had that that bigger food item, and then feed all the stroughs and a couple of the other things, the medium crickets. Yep. And then I'd towards the end. Then I once I fed off all the large ones after a couple of days, I'd then go to the mediums and just feed mediums until I got another order. Yeah. But then in winter, I'd kind of just go similar to what you do. I'd just order mediums. And because a lot of the stuff slows down throughout, like they still feed throughout the winter, especially the leaf tails and everything else. But 
I found they didn't feed it as much. Yeah. Well, they weren't. Leaf towers don't care. No, they had to be five degrees and they'll eat. But, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, uh, it, yeah, I, it's always good to have a bit of a cycle. It's the same as like when I get a fresh fresh load of crickets in, like I probably will tomorrow night. I'll go through those those bulks that I've got up up in those tubs above me and feed off any of the old crickets. Yeah. And then, you know, put the fresh ones in. You know, it's good to kind of rotate your, your food stock. Yeah. Have you ever had a bad batch of crickets? Yes. I think we've yeah, spoken about this, haven't we? I have, a, I've have I've had bad batch of crickets, but I've never had it affect anything. I've just had yeah. them arrive and they've been like um, half dead in the bowl. Yeah. Actually, recently, I think I spoke about this as well, but I had a bulk crickets that I left at work overnight. <laughs> Didn't realize that they <laughs> left the zip tie pretty undone. And then half my bulk crickets were running around the staff room to, every, to everyone's dismay. Yeah. yeah. So I had a bad batch um, and I actually had some animals die. That's so, heartbreaking. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that was a bit, um, yeah, a bit of shit. So, Did you lose quite a bit? Um, I probably lost five or six geckos. I wonder what it was, hey, like just out of an interest sake, like because you think about it if, it, if a cricket was bad with something, it would either be some sort of disease or chemical contamination or something like yeah. that, which you'd think for a small bug, it would kill it pretty quickly. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to obviously it was, say yeah. what it was. But... but that's all I could put it down to, really. Yeah. And then, like I'd, yeah, it was just odd. It's almost like their stomachs rotted really quickly. The cricket or the gecko? The gecko. Wow. Yeah. Like it was corrosive um, or something. In yeah, there. it was. It was. It was strange. Yeah. But yeah, I lost a cave gecko, um, some strophurus, and there was another one. I can't remember what it was, but that was a few years ago now. But um, I've heard. I've spoken to a few other people who've had the same same issue once before. Once that happened, I just threw the whole batch away. Of course you would. Yeah. So, I'd just eat it at the front door. That's pretty much exactly what I did. Yep. Bugger Gave it to the chickens. They ate them all. Nothing happened to the chickens. <laughs> so, <laughs> they're still a reptile. I yeah. wouldn't risk oh. that. They're nah, just they, a feathered reptile. Yeah, I don't have chickens anymore, but they used to get mental every time I got the chicken delivery. Oh, the chicken delivery, the cricket delivery. I think I've spoken about it before. But um, anyway. Um, but yeah, that's what I'd do with my adults and. Yeah, incubation temperature and set up the hatchies. So, but you just don't. Yeah, it's. I mean, I know Rick's still working, but you don't see a lot around anymore. They were kind of all the fad back a couple of years ago. Everyone trying to get strafurus. I don't know why they're not. To be honest, because they they honestly are amazing little geckos, and you know maybe this will put the wind up a few people to go and investigate it a little bit. You know, yeah. hopefully we can popularize them a little bit again. You know, who who knows? But they are an awesome group of, of geckos and man if you're not a gecko nut these are the ones for you if you do want to get into geckos because you can actually see them all the time as well because yeah. they are day basking geckos you know they are they are the people's gecko i think they're super easy to take care of reasonably easy to breed um not long lived as far as a gecko is concerned though like they're, they're a little bit on the shorter size with 
generally kind of like six to eight years or something like that yeah. in that sort of realm. Um, especially if you overbreed the females, they can be a little bit shortened. But that's right. That goes amongst most species. You're going to shorten lifespans if that's the case. And just the color variant too that you can get, like you know, with the ciliaris, and if you if you start to get a couple of like you know your golden tails, you got that you know black and white modeling with a yellow yellow line down the tail and a bright red eye in most bright cases or you can get the ones with the green eyes, green eyes and, and yeah and the tail patterns on some of them between those those subspecies as well you can get like the straight yellow bar you can get the bar that's kind of got yeah. like the saddles off the side you can get the bar that's got like the zigzag pattern on the side that's yellow as well like there's yeah man some of these geckos are just yeah stunning just stuff line and type in strafurus and Oh, the gander. Even the intermediates, the black and white, and yeah, yeah. But um, there's that I really video didn't... getting around as well of the um, I think it's a golden tail gecko shooting their little goop out of its tail. We didn't even talk about that. No, these guys literally come come armed. Like they've yep. they've got a proper defense mechanism. I haven't seen it personally in any of my captive geckos. <laughs> Have you been licking geckos again? Yep. <laughs> yeah, so they these guys basically can shoot like sticky little webs of what is it exactly? It's kind Not of like exactly what it is. It's like a it's, it's out almost, of their tail. It's, it's, yeah, it's out of their tail. It's almost like it it kind of feels like a tree like it looks like a tree sap almost. Yeah, okay. Kind of looks like, but it's sticky and it smells and it like if you get it irritates. in your eye, it stings your eye, it irritates your eye. I wouldn't say it, like it's not like pepper spray or anything like that, but it, you know, definitely irritates your eye. So try to make you want, want to not eat the gecko. Yeah. 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 That's so yeah. cool because not many animals have those sorts of defense no. mechanisms. You know, most geckos just drop their tails and run. Obviously, these guys drop their tails as well, but. um, Have you ever seen them with a drop tail? None of my ones had them. I've, I don't think I can think of a strof that I've seen with a drop tail. I think I've, I think I have seen pictures of them, yeah, of people that accidentally jammed them in a door. They well, dropped yeah. a bit off. Yeah, I'd drop my be. tail too if I did that. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, but they, they, I think as far as geckos are concerned, they're, they're less likely to drop tails, yeah, like because they've got tails and nobbies and yeah, because they've got like that, that that mechanism to to squirt you. That's a, that's an interesting theory. So, I mean, I'm sure that somebody can, and if they can, please give me the information on it. If yeah. they lose their original tail, do they lose the defense mechanism? Yeah. Just a thought to throw it out there into the ether, but um, I'd be interested to know that. Yeah. Well, why don't we leave it on that, eh? <laughs> that sounds good to me, mate. This has been a, yeah. a great conversation and we'll leave you on that enlightening note. I'm going to Google that now. <laughs> it is one of those interesting things. Hey? Yeah, I'm I've, the I've of never that. even considered it. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, right. I didn't even think of that. There you go. You're on the Google now having a look, are you? <laughs> no, I'm just pulling up oh. the exit, <laughs> oh, exit yeah, notes exit. that I've got to ramble through now. <laughs> you should just write them and put them on the wall in front of you. I probably should. I'm going to sit yeah. here every weekend. Yeah. I don't want it up there. Oh, Take yeah, away from enough. my posters. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Alrighty, guys. So we'd like to say a massive thank you to Eric and Owen and the rest of the NPR crew for having us. If you'd like to contact them, it's best to find them at MoreliaPythonRadio.net and email them at info at MoreliaPythonRadio.net. As far as contacting us on our social media platforms, you can email us at AustralianHerpsiculture at gmail.com. 
You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Make sure to check out our Teespring store for podcast merch. The link should be on the Facebook page. To see more of what Jason is doing, make sure to follow him on the Gecko Effect. At, sorry, <laughs> follow him on Facebook and Instagram at the Gecko Effect. And for myself, you can follow me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, and Teespring under Beach of Scaly Beasts. We hope to have you back next week for another episode of the Australian Herpsiculture Podcast. Good night, guys. Good night.